Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the John Campia Podcast, episode 28 for Saturday, July the 9th, 2016. Hey guys, on this episode of the John Campion Podcast, we're going to be talking about are there any legitimate reasons for us to be worried about the upcoming Suicide Squad? We're in July, about halfway through the year, so what are my top five best films of the year so far? Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about UFC 200 and a whole bunch more. So sit back, relax. The John Campion Podcast starts right now. Hey guys, and welcome to the show. Of course, my name is John Campy. I'm your host. Trying something a little bit different today. I've had a lot of people asking me, because you know, I've been putting up the audio podcast also on the YouTube channel, because I have a lot of people subscribed there, and a lot of people were asking me, hey, can you put up, can you film yourself? And it's always been too much work. I'm testing something here that might make it a little bit easier and faster for me to put video up on my YouTube channel of the podcast and the show. So I'm going to try that today just for fun. Uh, Thanks for joining me. Big night tonight. I'll go into UFC 200 a little bit later. I'm just mentioning off the top, big night tonight. Biggest UFC card in history. I'm extremely excited about it. i got a bunch of people coming over to my place tonight. We're going to watch it. It's going to be a good time. Um, Hey, listen, before I get into the first thing uh, today, I wonder if some of you guys saw what was going on on Twitter. Um... So here's what happens. I, I get a lot of tweets every day, and one of the tweets I see wasn't actually directed at me, but I was tagged in it. And the tweet was a fan writing in asking Christian Harloff if we could get a – because as you know, we've got that show called uh, The Movie Trivia Schmodown, And asking if they could get uh, Freddie Prince Jr. and Sam Witwer and John Campia and Ken Knapsack. And I thought that was, that was nice to ask. But then Freddie Prince Jr. has to go and run his mouth. And he writes he writes this tweet in response and puts this out. He goes, me and Sam put together would beat those guys. Like they said we would roll over those guys like it was 80s Tyson. And um, so I see that tweet. I'm like, that's interesting. Now, Freddie just put out uh, a cookbook that I, I've ordered my copy, by the way. I haven't got it yet. But I've ordered my copy of his, of his cookbook. And uh, the reviews on it are great. It, apparently, it's a really great cookbook. But I wrote um, something along the lines of, you must have a recipe in your cookbook for self-delusion because Ken Knapsack and I would probably knock you out before the dessert round. Uh, and then Sam Witwer <laughs> jumps into the fray and he says, John, don't go there. Me and Freddy together scare me and I'm half of me and Freddy. <laughs> And he said, don't go there, man. So then Ken weighed in. So I don't know if this will actually happen, uh, but uh, keep your eyes open on that a little bit. All right, so Comic-Con is coming up. Uh, Gosh, it's Saturday now. I leave Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I leave in 10 days. 10 days, and I leave till Comic-Con. It's always so crazy how fast Comic-Con 
uh, comes up. It's one of the highlights of my year. I enjoy Comic-Con so much and have so much fun. I got a lot to do at it this year. But <clears throat> they've now put it out so I can make this official announcement. They, uh, My annual Masters of the Web panel is happening on Thursday morning at Comic-Con at 11 a.m. in room 7AB. And our theme this year... I thought we'd do something a little different because one of the most common themes of questions that I get from people, be it on Twitter or Facebook or email me directly, is is people asking, John, how do I get started? How do I get started in movie punditry, in doing a podcast, in doing my own YouTube channel? How do I get started in this business that you, you are in? Um, even if I want to do it as a hobby, how do I get into it? How do I get started? How do I get rolling? What are some things I should do? That's a popular question I get. So the theme of this year's Masters of the Web panel is a little bit different. We're going to talk a lot of movies. We're absolutely going to talk a lot of movies. But the theme is how we got started and how you can get started too. And so while on top of all the other regular movie questions we're going to take and talking about the industry right now, we're also going to take your questions about how we got started in the business, how you can get started. We'll give some advice about how you can get rolling and who better to have on the panel than joining me will be Christian Harloff, will be Jeremy Johns, will be the senior editor of Rotten Tomatoes, Gray Drake, from Fandango and DCL Access and Jedi Council, uh, Tiffany Smith, uh, John Schnepp, and of course myself. And that's the panel. I, I just thought that was a great panel for addressing the question about how we got started and how you can get started too. I hope it's something you'll consider coming to if you're at Comic-Con this year. Come on down. It's Thursday morning, 11 a.m. in room 7AB. And spread the word around that uh, if you know anybody that's trying to get their own YouTube channel going, trying to get a podcast, it doesn't even have to be movie-themed. Um, but if that's what they're trying to do, let them know about our panel. Tell them they should come out and be a part of our panel. Uh, so there's that. All right. I'm going to, as is normal for this time of year, you know, heading into Comic-Con, news starts to get pretty slow. It's It's been a slow couple of news weeks, and it's going to be slow on the news front between now and Comic-Con because, you know, all the studios are kind of waiting to release their big news at Comic-Con or during Comic-Con when everybody's paying attention. So it's kind of a dry news thing. So a lot of my stuff today, I'm going to talk about, um, you know, the best stuff going on in, um, in the year of 2016 so far, the best movies of the year so far. And I'm also going to be taking a lot of the questions that guys sent in to me on Facebook. And actually, that's what I normally do now. I post up on my Facebook page that, hey, guys, I'm getting ready to do, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm getting ready to do a, a, a show Leave any topics or questions you want me to address here. So make sure you're following me on my Facebook page, just simply at uh, John Campia. So that's facebook.com slash John Campia, and you can follow me there so you can keep your eyes open when you can get your question in. Uh, and one of the questions that came in, um, actually a couple of people asked this. They're asking, okay, we're a little over midway point through the year so far. We're getting ready to go into Comic-Con. What have been your favorite movies of the year so far? So I've had people ask me, what have been the best movies of the year so far? Now, as is often the case, some of the best movies are actually tiny little independent films that either never got a theatrical release or only played on like 25 screens worldwide. Um, and so I'm going to give you my top five best films of the year list. But I'm narrowing my list down to wide release films, films that you would have actually had an opportunity to see or films that even right now you would have an easier time finding uh, than others. So that I'm going to give you my top five because people, a few people have been asking me about that, what I think the five best films of 2016 have been, all right? My number five, and some people 
are not going to agree with this, and that's fine. But this is one of those movies, you know, how I always talk about movies are subjective. This is a movie that just hit me the right way. And and I found very touching whatever. And that was Eddie the Eagle with Taron Egerton uh, and Hugh Jackman. The, based on the true story of Eddie the Eagle from the Calgary Olympics. I just thought this was so, like, damn, like, emotional. Like, it was far more emotional than I thought it would be. I found myself getting t- choked up a few times in this movie. Um, it was played brilliantly by both Egerton and uh, Hugh Jackman. They played their roles great. It was funny and endearing and just – it was everything I wanted that movie to be and more. I thought it was an excellent film. Now, it doesn't have the greatest critic rating, but it's like 80+, plus, which is really good. That's really solid. But I think I like this movie more than most people. So number five on my list is Eddie the Eagle. Coming in, my number four best movie of the year so far – is a movie none of y'all went to go see for whatever reason, uh, The Nice Guys, with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. is directed... Um, look, it's directed in such a way that it really does have a... Like, it's hard to put it... It's, it's like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which was Shane Black's other film. Shane Black's the director, by the way. Uh, it's got a feel of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang crossed with L.A. Confidential, but a little funnier. And it's just – it's a wonderful movie. It's a fantastic movie. And I feel like every year there's one or two movies that become the poster child for my aggravation when I hear people go, why doesn't Hollywood make more original movies? Well, two things. Number one, they make more original movies today than any time in history. That's just a fact. Uh, and number two, when they do make great, fantastic, original films, most of y'all don't go see it. Um, actually, let me pull it up here. Uh, let's see. Nice Guys box office. It made like no money, like whatsoever. I think it made total, total. I think it made $56 million. Let me just bring up the number here. Okay, domestically, in the U.S., it made a grand total, sorry, it made a grand total of $35.6 million in grand total. I mean, the BFG came out and made over $41 million in opening weekend, and people are calling that a bomb. Grand total, the nice guys, with huge critic reviews and huge word of mouth and huge fan reaction, and it makes $35.6 million. And then people have the audacity. So a lot of people didn't go see this movie. And then people have the audacity to get online and say, why doesn't Hollywood make more original films? Well, maybe because when they make great original films, y'all don't go out and see it. Remember, I say this all the time. The only language, studios don't care about petitions. They don't care about emails. The only language studios hear is the language of the box office. That's what they hear. That's how we communicate to the Hollywood studios. When we don't go to see something, we tell the, the Hollywood studios, we're not interested in that. When we pay to go see something, Hollywood hears us say, we're interested in this kind of movie. And so when they put out, it really frustrates me with a great, wonderful, funny, you know, energetic, <clears throat> high energy kind of movie, great quality with some great stars. They make this great little original film with a great director and people don't go see it. It's just, I find it really frustrating. Anyway, The Nice Guys for me is the number four best film of the year so far. Number three is The Jungle Book. I could not believe, look, I was one of those guys who said, I think The Jungle Book's a stupid idea. 
I don't think it's a good idea to make this Jungle Book movie. I don't, what's the point of this Jungle Book movie? We've got the Jungle Book. What, what new can you bring to the table? And they brought a lot to the table. The movie's fan-frickin-tastic. Visually, it might be the most impressive film I've ever seen. From a, a digital visual point of view, at any rate. Not just not visual. Lord of the Rings might still take that. Uh, but from a digital visual point of view, it's just insane. It's just insanely gorgeous. What they did, the entire movie is shot in a Los Angeles soundstage. And I could swear a lot of those scenes were shot out in the jungle. And they were not. It's all green screen. It's all green screen. One real life character in it, and that's Mowgli, the kid. Um, but f- the visual effects aside and the visual um, beauty of it aside, it's a wonderfully told story, beautifully paced. The way they bring in their characters and move them in and out of the story with Mowgli being the focal point, it's wonderfully told. John Favreau directed the dude who obviously directed uh, the first couple of Iron Man films, did such a masterful job with The Jungle Book. I fell in love with it. And I know that Warner Brothers is working on their own version of The Jungle Book right now. Just forget it. Just forget it. I mean, you're not going to touch this version. And if you do, kudos to you. That's going to be impressive. Uh, So that's my number three. I'm going to surprise a lot of people with my number two. Not because they're going to be surprised it's on my list, but because I think I'm going to shock a lot of people that this isn't my number one film of the year so far. But my number two film of the year so far is Captain America Civil War. I love this movie. Um, This movie is so freaking fantastic. Uh, Well, John, why isn't it number one? We'll get to that in a second. But Captain America Civil War is everything you wanted it to be. It's got great dramatic beats, great comedy beats, great action beats. Whenever it gets too much into comedy, it throws in the dramatic elements. When it starts to, when it, once it gets to that edge of how dramatic it should be, it pulls back, gives you an action beat. I mean, it's just such a beautifully balanced film. And that's something that the, um, the Russo brothers have done really well with both of their Captain America films is the balance between it. And that's the best word I can use, the balance. They know just when to put in the right amount of comedy, the right amount of intrigue, the right amount of dramatic beats, the right amount of action, and when to put them in there that just makes the story feel like it keeps moving in an exciting and fun way. Captain America Civil War is a triumph. It's not my number one or number two best comic book movies ever made sort of thing, but it's an absolute triumph. Um, spectacular film. Avengers, the new Avengers movie is going to have a hard time, even though the Russos are directing it. It's going to have a hard time topping it. And I know Captain America Civil War will be the number one film for a lot of people. And and I'm not going to argue that because it's great. It deserves a number one spot. But for me personally, when it comes to pure in-theater experience, for me, my personal number one movie of the year so far is Deadpool. I, I, I just can't begin to explain how much pure joy I felt watching that damn movie. I, I mean, right from the opening credits, I'm laughing and enjoying myself. And the action in the film is wonderful. Not the best action I've ever seen in a movie, but it's great action, great fight choreography. The comedy's great. The story, look, everybody talks about how funny Deadpool is. And for good reason. It's freaking hilarious. But the way the story is told, just the story of Wade and... His, his, it's a love story in many ways with him and uh, Miranda Bakarin. It's so beautifully done. It's really well done for a cheesy, R-rated, campy, schlocky, 
R-rated comic book film, and yet it's a really well-told story. And I think people miss how good of a story it is because it's so funny at the same time. Look, like I said, a lot of people are going to put Captain America Civil War at the number one spot, and I will not argue them. I will not argue with them whatsoever. It's, it's a number one spot deserving kind of film. But if I'm going to be honest and not just play to what's popular, to me, Deadpool was my favorite in-theater experience this year. So anyway, that's just me. So to highlight again, number five, Eddie the Eagle. Number four, The Nice Guys. Number three, The Jungle Book. Number two, Captain America Civil War. And my number one film of 2016 so far is Deadpool. So jump into the uh, the comments and or fire me off a tweet or leave me a Facebook message or whatever. Let me know what you think of that list. What would your list of the top five films of 2016 look like so far? I'd be very curious to know. All right, so uh, let's uh, jump out here, and I'm going to start taking some questions from my Facebook page. Uh, The first question that comes from my Facebook page is from Logan Wilson, who writes, Why do you think it is that there aren't any good parody movies anymore, like The Naked Gun, Top Secret, and uh, Austin Powers? Yeah, we haven't had a good um, parody movie in a while. I just watched that Fifty Shades of Black, thinking maybe, no, that was awful. That was awful. Uh, Meet the Spartans. and like It feels like for the last... I know the, the series, um, Scary Movie series, has some fans. Uh, Scary Movie, that franchise and that series, has some followers that really, really like those films. And I got to admit, I didn't, I didn't hate the first one. Not at all. Actually, I kind of appreciated the first one. But I didn't love the first one. And the second one... But, but honestly, they've all been bad. I mean, they they've all go to the lowest common denominator schlock humor now. Whereas back in the day when you had movies, I mean, there was before my time, but I would appreciate them and watch them later on. Movies like Airplane, um, you know, they just don't make them like that anymore. Where not only do they have some schlock stuff and they're very, very much parody, but they're quite often very smart parody, social commentary parody with a lot of intelligence, whether you're talking about uh, Top Secret. I love Top Secret. The last one I really liked, I think the last parody film I really enjoyed was probably maybe Hot Shots Part Deux. Um, yeah, maybe, yeah, that might be the last one that I quite enjoyed, but it, it's it's difficult. I just feel like filmmakers believe that audiences are dumb. I mean, I think that's just what they believe. I think they believe that audiences are dumb and the only humor audiences will get when it comes to parody. I I feel like the studios don't think that audiences can handle intelligent parody or higher concept parody that still and or know how to communicate that kind of parody still a slapstick in the same way you can. You can do high intelligence slapstick. Um, You can do it, but I feel like audiences are just like, no, no, this is the Twitter generation. Everybody's got no attention span and don't understand anything. You just have to make fart jokes and dick jokes. And it's like, no, you don't. And I look, I like a good fart joke and I like a good dick joke as much as anybody else. But you don't have to limit yourself to that. And I feel like that's what the studios do these days uh, with their parody films. And they just don't know how to handle them right. So I am looking forward to the day when we get our next airplane, our next airplane two, our next top secret, uh, you know, things like that. I'm looking forward to those, but it's it's been a while, and we might have to wait a little while longer. Um, the next person is uh, Alejandro Alon- Alonso, who writes, uh, who asked me a question that a lot of people are asking, but it, it, the way he words it, I like the way he words it. He goes, "Hey John, is there any real reason to be worried about the Suicide Squad?" 
Is there any real reason to be worried about the Suicide Squad? Here's the thing. A lot of people are, are worried about Suicide Squad, maybe because of the way Batman versus Superman played with some people and all that kind of stuff. Okay, I get that. But honestly, let's look at this for a second. You start with, I believe, the most important factor. You've got freaking David Ayer directing this. David Ayer is a great director. Not a Mount Rushmore director, but he is a great director. And right there, my worries are alleviated. I am not worried about, about, uh, about Suicide Squad at all. I mean, it's got every bit of a chance to be great or to suck as any other movie. Absolutely. But I'm not going in worried about it because it's in the hands of David Ayer. I also very much like a cast. Look, here's the one concern I have, okay? The one concern I have. And there will be no answer to this question until we actually see the movie. But here's my concern, okay? I think Will Smith is a hell of an actor. I think he's a very talented actor. And I would see... I don't know that he's ever made a movie that I haven't seen. Because he's a hell of an actor. My one worry, and maybe there's nothing to this, and I hope there's nothing to this, but here's my one worry, okay? And I expressed this when they first announced that he was going to be, um, that he was going to be in the movie. This is my one worry, okay? The last number of years, there's a lot of off-camera drama going on with Will Smith in the terms of he seems to have a pretty gigantic ego. Um, you heard the stories going on about Independence Day and you heard about, uh, you know, Emmerich talking about it as well is that, yeah, Will was willing to do the movie, but he had all these demands. He wanted to have like a lot of creative control over the movie, which actors should never have. Um, he wanted to have a lot of creative control over the movie. He wanted roles for his daughter or for his son and his daughter and his wife in the movie as well. And he wanted this and he wanted this and he wanted a ridiculous amount of money. There, Quentin Tarantino tells a story about how he originally wanted Will Smith in Django Unchained. J Will Smith was his guy to be in D Django Unchained. He wanted Will Smith. Will Smith would have been great in it. I mean, Jamie Foxx was awesome in Django Unchained. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I wouldn't. I don't wish they had swapped out. But I'm. I also believe that Will Smith would have been a hell of a Django. But Quentin Tarantino tells the story about how once. Will Smith read the, the dialogue or read the script. He didn't like the fact that Christoph Waltz's character kills Leonardo DiCaprio's. And he's like, no, my character is the hero. I should be the one to kill um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Django Unchained. Anyway. Um, and Quentin Tarantino's like, no, it works better for the story if, if Christoph Waltz's character, who is a secondary character to Django, but it's, it works better for the story if he does it. It creates his journey. Whereas Django, he has a grand, he's a larger scale journey, journey than just the Christoph Waltz one does. Anyway, so Will Smith backed out of that. And, and so when I heard that Will Smith was going to be in Suicide Squad, I had two immediate reactions. My first reaction was, hell yes, amazing talent, Will Smith, in this comic book movie. Awesome. But then my second reaction was, ugh, is he going to want... Since he's in the movie and all these stories are here, is he, does him being in it and being Deadshot, is he going to only be in it if you make Deadshot the main character? All the big beats in Suicide Squad have to be about me. They got to be about Deadshot, okay? Here's Will Smith, okay? Here's the son. 
I mean, I'm not saying that's the way it is. That was my fear. Okay. Now, so far, watching the trailers of Suicide Squad, I got to say, I mean, it, it doesn't look like they're making Will Smith the main centerpiece of the movie. It looks like they're going to balance this movie out. And there's no one. I mean, if anybody looks like they're going to be a main centerpiece, it might be Margot Robbie uh, as Harley Quinn. But that's because, you know, Harley Quinn, everybody goes crazy for Harley Quinn. But even then, it's, it feels like they balance it out pretty nice. It even feels like the smaller characters are getting a good amount of the balance of the trailer time. And so my one fear, if you're asking, what is, is there any real reason to be concerned about Suicide Squad? My only fear is that did Will Smith run roughshod over the production and say everything's got to be about my character? And I don't know that he did that. I'm hoping that he didn't. Um, because other than that, Will Smith being in is great. Margot Robbie being in is great. I think Leto's going to make a terrific Joker. I know it's a very different Joker they're giving us, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing. You got David Ayer directing it. The, the trailers have been spectacular. Um, so at this point, the only need to fear or worry about Suicide Squad, I think, besides the Will Smith stuff, is the normal everyday, any fear you would have about any movie coming out. Other than that, I think there's reasons to be really optimistic, really optimistic for Suicide Squad. I know I am. All right. Next question comes from Francisco Bello. And don't worry, for those of you who aren't into sports, I'll keep this part short. Was asking me UFC 200 predictions. I'm so excited about UFC 200. I'm so giddy. Like by the time a lot of you watch this, the fight will the fights will have already happened. Um, but I'm putting this out on Saturday morning. The fights are tonight. So unfortunately, main card got pulled. Daniel Cormier versus John Bones Jones for the light heavyweight title that got pulled because once again, John Bones Jones proves he's an asshat and screws up everything for everybody else outside of the ring. I'm sorry. I, I'm done. I used to be a big fan of John Bones Jones a long time ago when he first got started. Uh, as a matter of fact, me and Ann hung out with John Bones Jones. And uh, if I can find the picture, I'll put the picture up here of us with, with uh, John. But between cocaine conviction, DUI with underage girls he picked up in his car with him, hit and run of a pregnant woman, uh, and now on top of all that, plus his his whole personality has just become his – I think his true colors have shown the last year or two that he's really an asshole – uh, but I don't know him personally. Take that huge grain. So I don't know him personally. I'm just judging by what I see on the TV screen, and that can be very, very deceptive. So take that with a grain of salt. I don't know him. Uh, and now on top of that, like he gets suspended, loses his title, like all this kind of stuff. And now on top of that, now he tests positive for uh, by the U.S. Drug Administration for performance-enhancing drugs on the band list. Now, he's saying, oh, no, no, it was just something from a, a, a supplement I took. But Dana White put it back. You're a 28-year-old man. Every other athlete knows to take care of their business. If there's any question about what's in the, the supplements you're taking, you notify the USDA. You get it in front of the uh, – sorry, the uh, – the uh, the doping uh, board you get you take it to them and ask them is is this a clear uh, you know um, uh, supplement for me to take every other fighter does it why are you so freaking irresponsible and so and so I don't know I don't and by the way we don't know it was just supplement it might have been some kind of steroid or HGH or whatever we don't know we simply don't know but even if it is something as innocent as taking supplements that have banned substances in them, dude, you're 28 years old. You don't have an excuse anymore. You're supposed to be a professional. And every other fighter 
is doing t- doing all their due diligence to make sure. And because of now your, um, I don't care. I'm John Bones Jones attitude thinking you don't have to follow, like put in the work and do all that kind of stuff. UFC 200 lost its main event. And I'm sure that cost the UFC millions of dollars. John Bones Jones has embarrassed the sport. Cocaines, DUIs, underage girls, uh, hit and run of pregnant women, now PEDs. I'm sorry. He's just embarrassed not just the company, the UFC. He's embarrassed the sport. And he's cost the sport now. Like the main event a few days before UFC 200, the biggest UFC of all time. He's just embarrassed the sport far too many times. If I'm the head of the UFC, he just cost me millions of dollars. I'm not going to trust him anymore. Why should I trust him? After his cocaine thing, I've changed. Great. After his DUIs and underage girls, I've changed. Okay, fine. You know, uh, then hit and run of a pregnant woman. I've changed. Okay, come on back again. Now testing positive PEDs. I'm sorry. You've had your four strikes. Done. I don't think John Bones Jones should ever be allowed to compete in the UFC again. I just don't. Because now he's not just embarrassing the sport. He's costing the sport money. He's costing the company money. So I, I don't think it's worth taking a risk on him anymore. Anyway, who cares about John Bones Jones? We all used to. Anyway, let's go to the main card. All right. Main event, Misha Tate who's temporarily holding Ronda Rousey's belt because Ronda Rousey, we all know, Ronda Rousey already beat Tate twice. She's going to come back. She's going to win that title back. But anyway, Misha Tate, who I like. I like Misha Tate, by the way, um, who is the current uh, champion. She is fighting Amanda Nunez. Uh, I've got Misha Tate. You know, I, early on, I, I was picking Nunez, but I've, I, I've, I've been thinking about her. No, I think Misha Tate's going to take this, and I think she's going to submit her in the fourth round. The next thing, Brock Lesnar coming in to fight Mark the Samoan headhunter hunt. I cannot tell you how excited. First, I was super excited to hear that Brock Lesnar is coming back for UFC 200. But I was really wondering, who's who does, who does he fight? Mark Hunt was the perfect guy. Perfect matchup for Brock Lesnar and Hunt. I think that is the perfect matchup. Um, I am putting my money on Mark Hunt in this. It, you know, Brock has been out of the ring for five years. I know he's the former heavyweight champion. But he's been out for five years. Ring rust is real. Uh, and I think Mark Hunt will probably knock him out in the third round. So I'm going to go Mark Hunt by knockout. Then you got Daniel Cormier. What a warrior. He loses his fight with John Bones Jones. But he says, I'll fight anybody. And who steps up? Anderson, the spider, Silva, maybe the greatest mixed martial artist of all time, is fighting Cormier. Uh, and, and Silva's going up to light heavyweight to fight Cormier. I've got Cormier winning this fight um, by decision. I think Cormier wins. It's, it's just a little bit too much for Anderson Silva. Cormier is just too big and strong. I think Cormier wins this fight by decision. Because Cormier, remember, Cormier quite often fights at heavyweight. And he's the light heavyweight champion, but he's fought many, many fights at heavyweight. He's just a big guy. He's not tall, but he's a big guy. And I think that is something Anderson Silva won't be able to contend with. I got Cormier in that fight. In what I think is going to be the fight of the night, Jose Aldo, who spectacularly lost his title to Ewan McGregor, but undisputed one of the top pound-for-pound fighters in the world the last 10 years, was on a 10-year win streak. 10 years. Anyway... Aldo is fighting one of my favorite UFC fighters, uh, Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar just lately seems to be fighting on another level. I've got Frankie Edgar winning that fight by decision. 
former UFC heavyweight champion Cain Velasquez fighting Travis Brown. I think this is an easy fight for Cain Velasquez, actually. I think Cain Velasquez knocks out Travis Brown in the second round. Then in the prelims, the prelims are stacked. You got Katzengano uh, fighting Pena. I got Zingano winning that. Uh, uh, Johnny Hendricks is fighting. I got him losing. TJ Gillishaw, I got him winning. Uh, Super Saiyan Northcutt, I got him winning. Then in the early pre- prelims, you got Diego Sanchez versus uh, Joe Lozano. I got um, Joe. I got Joe in that fight. Um, Miller versus Gomi. I mean, it's just, it's a pack pack card but anyway those are some of my predictions for the fight okay i got a few minutes left here uh, i'm going to try to get uh, into as many of these as possible um well you know what nah I, i'm going to cut it out a half hour sorry guys i will be back and I was, t- by the way for those of you watching this one on youtube tell me what you thought of me doing this with video let me know if it's not worth it i won't do it again I'll just keep it to the audio-only podcast. Um, And don't worry, the audio-only podcast will still be there no matter what. Uh, Tell me if you like the video. And remember, I don't want to put a ton of effort into this. This is a hobby. This is not my job. This is my hobby. So I don't want to have to put in five hours of um, of effort into putting this up. But if you've got some ideas, if you think I should continue doing a video, you got some ideas that are low effort to uh, to make it better for you, let me know your suggestions. I am listening. All right, guys, that'll do it for me for this installment of the John Campia Podcast. Thanks so much for joining. Don't forget, follow me on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, at John Campia. Make sure you are subscribed to my YouTube channel. Just take a second. Just click subscribe. That helps me out a lot. If you're listening to this show on podcast, make sure you open up iTunes, even if you don't use iTunes. and Or even if you're watching this on YouTube, go over, open up iTunes, find the John Campia podcast, and rate and comment on this podcast. That helps me out a great deal uh, when you do that. So that'll do it uh, for me, guys. Uh, Maybe get a little bit of UFC reaction from me tomorrow. My name's John Campia. Thanks for joining me. And until next time, bye-bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.